0: Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. We're recording here live at Pause on Error, and I'm sitting here with my guest, Don LeVan. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So you've done some pretty cool things recently that we're going to connect to. Uh, you were just on a webinar with a uh, FileMaker with a bunch of like, hundreds of people watching it, and I'd recommend people check that out. You talked about design, the design process. The design process. How you go beyond the state of problem.
1: How you really understand the problem space.
0: Okay. And then you also have two Craft of FileMaker classes
1: coming up in the yep. near future. Right. We're going to be in uh, in the second week of March at 360 Works, the second week of April in San Francisco, hosted by Saiby Data.
0: Okay, so Atlanta and then San Francisco. Great. So design process, and you use some terms that, some of the terminology that you use I want to sort of talk about because they're not things that that typical fine maker developers think. And I think there's a lot of value in unwrapping this. Okay, so like what
1: like what 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 terms are you thinking about?
0: Well, you actually just used a phrase like unwrapping it. I can't remember exactly what you said,
1: but there's a couple of words, a couple of things in there that I don't really hear that much. oh, going beyond the problem statement, really thinking unwrapping the problem space and understanding that kind of thing. You well, mean? you even said the problem statement that's not a phrase I would really use. Oh okay, so the client calls you and says, "I have a problem, you know, I need you to design me a project management system where I can see blah, but most of the time when they call you with a problem statement. They're starting with the tasks that they're doing now. Right now, they're keeping a list of the workshops that they're doing. Or they're keeping a list of the leaders who are going to be in the workshops. Sure. And they're trying to figure out how to solve that. And so they want you to take it into FileMaker make electronic. But just making electronic doesn't solve the problem. It just replicates the task in electronic form. You've got to get to the scenario. What is the situation that they're dealing with, that they're struggling with? What is their goal? Problem statement isn't enough. There's a that I read recently by Tim Brown, who started IDEO, they're the ones that have worked with Apple and other big companies to design products. He was their founder and CEO. And he quoted Henry Ford as saying, if I'd asked my customers what they had wanted, they would have said a faster horse. You know, and so problem statement isn't enough. We don't know what we want at the beginning. We don't know exactly how we're going to get there. And so trying to to solve it right off the bat, you, we have got to figure out exactly what they need really understand who's being impacted by it. And I'm excited because what we're doing in these workshops, what I did in the webinar, what we're doing at Pause is we're starting to talk about a formal design process that you can use to repeatedly solve problems. And I think of you a lot as I'm talking about this because musicians will totally get this. You know, if there's something you really want to learn, break it down and make it formal and repeatable and practice the beep out of it.
0: Exactly. Because, yeah, like in, in musical terms, these are scales and arpeggios is what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But so are building blocks are be able to do something. And if you have a formal process, you can you can go in to a situation that's unfamiliar and maybe it may be a problem that you haven't solved before and apply some specific steps in a certain order yeah. to actually get at the real need and build a car and not a faster horse. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so,
1: we've been having a lot of fun doing this. Like, this isn't about fun. This is about money. Well, that's, it's really interesting. Because that, that was a joke. People always say to me, developers that, that hear me talk about this stuff, say, how can you afford to do this kind of design? And my <laughs> answer is, how can you not? Yeah. Like, what you're doing is you're, you're spending your energy up front, understanding the problem, sketching, drawing, iterating in the early stages before yeah. you've poured the concrete of your data model and built all of your scripts and your structures, And then you find out that you're not solving the right problem and then you got to backtrack and do it again and do it again. So, iteration, that's good. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, iteration not, not in this case. Iteration is good in this yeah. case because you're 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 identifying the problem, you're figuring out what's the most what are the scenarios a person's dealing with? What are the requirements that derive from the scenario? And a scenario is something like Sarah Brown, a project manager at the Creative Capital Foundation, one of my clients, has to manage the series of workshops that she's doing. Mm-hmm. She has an hour to look at her list of workshops to try to figure out exactly what are the most pressing tasks that she has to accomplish this week and get those done. That's her scenario. Her scenario isn't make a list of tasks. Her scenario is she's got to be able to look at, her list of, look at her list of projects and know immediately what's most pressing. Objectives, not tasks. Objectives, their goals, mm-hmm. um, the situation that they're in, and then you want to design to meet the needs of the person in that scenario. We call them personas. They're amalgams of of real people, but fictionalized a little bit because if you're not just designing for one person in case they leave, you're not doing to their idiosyncrasies. Right, right, right. But like you're when you write for music, you write songs, right? Mm-hmm. When you write for music, you're thinking of a specific person, right? You have an audience in mind. Yes, generally. typically. Same thing with software. We have to design for an audience, a particular person dealing with a particular situation. And from that, we understand the requirements.
0: Well, I actually kind of look at it two ways. Because there there are, when I'm writing, um, sometimes I'm working with an individual and I get a strong sense that their needs are not really the needs of the department. If they they were replaced by somebody else, that other person would actually... uh, have very, very different needs. Yeah. And in other situations, the needs that a person has are really the right ones, they're really what the job is. So there's certain people that I think it, it pays to not listen to
1: what they're, what they're asking for, which is, I don't know, maybe. Well, I think you, you listen to what they're asking for, but you have to, as a, as a designer, as a professional developer, you have to hear what each person is saying and synthesize it and understand, well, the person you're talking about, Tim, is a standalone person and has one set of needs, and this work group has another set of needs. And this work group has another set of needs. And each one has something different than they need. And then when you're designing, you have to decide whether the interface that you're building can meet the needs of everybody. Or do you really need to target each each feature? Each time you're designing something, you're thinking about a particular person in a particular situation. Or a persona. Right. It could be a fictitional it could, person. It, it should be a fictitional person because oh, okay. if that one person leaves… Right. You don't want it to be built necessarily to their idiosyncrasies, but if you got five people in a department, you make up a story, you give them a picture, you, you want to make this persona as real as possible. So it's right. You're thinking of a person, you can picture them, you can talk about them, you can identify them by name. You know how would how would putting this list view this way and these little pickers on this view impact Sarah?
0: Right. Would it slow her down? Would it speed her up? Would it uh, really help? Would she go,
1: oh, Don, thanks. That was so great. Right. Is she a new user? Is she somebody that's going to just be in the job for six weeks? Right. Is she going to make a really simple and transparent? Or is it somebody who's going to be there for five or six years? Is she young? Is she cute? Right. Exactly. Is she old? Does she need heavy glasses?
0: (laughs) Does she play guitar? (laughs) Okay. So step one,
1: you know, identify uh, personas for each
0: area. Someone who's identify.
1: Who are the people that are going to be impacted? Right, right. So very often we'll, when we start a project, and this process that, we, that we've been talking about, you can do in five minutes you know, for a little feature where you can do it for weeks. But we, we typically get everybody in the room that's associated and we have them go around and tell each other what their job is. And so from that we understand who's dealing with what problems and who are we not considering because often that will come out. Step two is you start to model... You you start to model who the people are that you're going to need to deal with. You know you do some discovery for each work group type. We go and do interviews. We uh, we set web app sessions or go to meetings where they're looking at their computer. We're looking at our computer. We're using screen recording to record what they're doing and ask them to talk us through their current solution. I ask them a lot of nosy questions. We take pictures of their office. We're like, what is that list for? What is that calendar for? Where do you keep your to dos? You know, right? Things that they
0: might not realize really impact their day. That you
1: could, or problems that you actually could solve for them. Well, things that they may not realize are crutches that they're using to solve a problem that they have. Their tasks they're doing now to meet the needs of them in a scenario. Oh yeah. So often I, I will come across
0: a situation where. They'll do a bunch of work in the database and they go, oh, yeah, then we go to this other system that we've had for 15 years and we, we you know, retype the information. And I'm going to go, exactly. what? Exactly. Why didn't
1: you tell me that at the beginning? Exactly. So you want to do a lot of discovery. You want to do be really nosy. Um, uh, you want to help them. You want them to help you understand their world. You want to build. And then you want to model it. You want to write it down You want to describe the persona what scenarios they're facing what are the requirements that derive from that so we talked about Sarah the project manager had an hour to deal with her stuff Mm -hmm. well the requirements are going to be that she has to be able to filter the list of projects in such a way that she can see her projects quickly see which things are due Um, she she has to be able to filter them she has to be see them maybe they're in a list like so these are the derived requirements but you're 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 deriving the requirements from the needs of the person in a situation, not the other way around. Right. Um, and then you start to generate ideas. And that's where – it's all fun, but – Right. So it would be
0: like, well, we could we could put um, some buttons on your main menu that when you log in that give you easy ways to filter a portal and show you data. And then you click on the record and it shows it to you and have check boxes to mark yeah. things off when you're done. and Or maybe something else, you know. Maybe integrate with – Uh, and some other calendars she's using or you know those are the ideas where you sort of talk about the different ways you could solve the problems
1: you you do start there but i like to actually take a step back outside of filemaker which is i i want to figure out who's already solved this problem the problem that i'm dealing with who's already done it who's spent a lot of time and energy and money investing and finding out the best way and so i go and look at all of those various patterns that Mm -hmm. exist applications that they're already using you know in the case of Sarah, it was a real case. I actually ended up going to look at Basecamp and the Ruby Redmine project management system and OmniFocus and um, a couple others until I found the right interaction patterns. But you want to start out with jittering as many ideas as you can about how to solve the scenario. Sure. So sketching. And you want to really do it lo-fi. Thick markers, small paper, or you know, and... and right generate a lot of ideas and then you have to start refining those ideas and that's where you start to go into filemaker because you pick one and you prototype it and the goal filemaker is a fantastic tool to build databases but we are blessed because there are people out there that are writing about how to use keynote to you know as a prototyping tool how to use OmniGraffle as a prototyping tool how to use visio Mm -hmm. filemaker is a fantastic prototyping tool you go into layout mode and you just draw with the boxes and the dots and the circles and the arrows
0: exactly you don't necessarily need to make fields and stuff to prototype
1: you want to you want to make it as simple as possible and the goal is to um help the people you know to prove whether or not you're solving the problem to see and then when you need fields and data and portals i like to i take the you know the 5000 or the 50000 row Data set that Brian Dunning has posted on his website, and for every field or portal I need to show, I add columns to that. So I make it wide and narrow. I put, you know, right. fifteen rows of data in it, all the way across. So I've got four columns, four fields for this portal, four for this portal.
0: By the way, if you ever need a hundred thousand, uh, or a million, or ten million, yeah. I have those data sets. Oh, nice. Okay. With really good sample data, first you know names, dates of birth, phone numbers. So if you want to, if you want to prototype guy, and test yeah. it. Uh, no, it's, it's all fake. I Actually, I built a random name generator. Oh, my God. That's starting awful. with Brian's data sets and some other ones to come up with names that are, you know. That's anyway, cool. Yeah, it's really useful really cool. to test for when you, when you actually, not when you're prototyping, but when you're actually performance testing to say, what if a client actually has a million names? Is this going to
1: break? Yeah. You just import this into a copy. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really cool. I, the point is, you want to build something as quickly as you can with as little investment in it as you can, in time and energy and in money to find out if you're going down the path of the right idea. Because very often it's like it's like you're walking through one of those giant hedgerow mazes that you'd see in England somewhere, where you can't see the top of it, you can't see the way out, and you're gonna walk down and you think you're solving the right problem, and you walk down the first path and you realize it's the wrong way, so you double back. You walk down a second path and you double back and you keep going. You're getting closer each time to get to your idea. Well, it's the same thing that we're doing. So you only want to put as much weight in your design, as much detail into it, as you have certainty that you've got the right idea. So in FileMaker, start out with those, you know, really simple circles and boxes and squares. When you need to represent interaction, you're going to put a button on the layout. Do it by just putting a button that pops up a custom dialog, and you say, this will open a new window and do X. Or... You know, this will change context to a new, as, as simple Mm -hmm. as possible. So you can prove it makes it much easier for them to visualize exactly what it's going to do. It makes it much easier for them to visualize it and it makes it possible for you to usability test it. Mm -hmm. And the way you go about usability testing it, I often have my wife sit down and do this for me is you go back to the scenario and you say, this is the scenario. You are, you know, Sarah Smith, you're a project manager for project for creative capital you only have an hour and you need to um, review your list of workshops, find out what's going to be do, you know, needs to be completed to get those workshops produced in the next two months. And you want to hit the most pressing issues, how do you do it, then you let them look at sit down at the computer, and walk through your application and and say, ask them to say out loud what they're doing. And um, try to see if they understand what you've built. And in 30 seconds, you can do a very no-cost usability test and understand if you've got a solution that actually makes sense to somebody other than you because the user is not you. You don't think like the user. You have the metaphors already in your mind, and they don't have the benefit of, you know, they're walking into a room that the lights are off, and they're going like this, and you built the room, and so you know where everything is. For those of you who can't see me, I'm waving my hand with my eyes closed like walking around <laughs> an elephant. Um, so, oh yeah, one person touching the trunk, one person touching the leg. Yeah, and, and then trying riding. to figure out where the lights. You know, yeah. in the room, where's the light switch, and how do you turn on it? You're bumping around in the dark, trying to figure out right. until, unless it's clear, you know. And you'll know immediately if you stand there and watch them, give them the scenario, but not tell them how to do anything. You'll know immediately whether it's intuitive. Right. Okay. So next step. I'm really for myself trying to constantly push my work to the level of craft this is a profession for me this is a job and so it's not art because i want to ship you know i want to deliver good work but i want to be able to do repeatedly good work over and over and over again consistently so that and so i'm for myself trying to develop these processes and these structures and i'm finding this is something I had to go outside of FileMaker again to look at and find in the community, in other communities, in the interaction design communities. And so I'm really enjoying bringing bringing those things and sharing them back with people in FileMaker. And so that's what these workshops are about, is teaching this formal design process. You know, we've got two coming up. We're going to be in Atlanta March 9th through 11th, and we're going to be in San Francisco April 13th through 15th, and then probably in other places after that. And we're Starting to do some small team trainings where we're being hired by you know, a school or a group of developers to come and do an intimate you know, couple of day workshop with them to teach them this formal design process. And we do it in a really fun, experiential way so that you really just get the experience of learning it beyond just a sort of a book study of it.
0: Yeah, I bet teaching this to other people
1: really sharpens your craft of it that much more, doesn't it? It does. You have to have to really make it concrete when you're teaching it. I, 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 have, I love teaching for that reason.
0: So obviously, if you were approaching a new customer and they said, Oh, well, we've got all these old things, we've got paper forms, we've got Excel spreadsheets, help, please help us. Here's, here's you know, $50,000 or whatever. That's an obvious scenario that you would use this, this process. Yeah. What are some scenarios
1: where it would not work? I use this process for everything. So when I need, last week I needed to redesign, I had built a, um, a, a dashboard for the treatment coordination department uh, uh, at the YI National Institute for People with Disabilities. This is a clinic for people with mental retardation, developmental disabilities. The treatment coordination team makes sure, makes sure that the clients that are coming to the clinic have all of the necessary documents signed so that the government reimbursing agencies will pay for their services and these needy clients can continue to get what they need. Well, budgets are tight, governments are cutting back and so they have to make sure that these people have all of these documents signed or the government will cut them off from services as they should because it needs to be documented well. So that was fine, they had five documents they needed to manage for each of, you know, a hundred clients but all of a sudden they were asked to manage a second clinic They needed to do the same documents. And so the question is, we have an existing interface. We've got a number of portals that has, you know, when something's due. Mm -hmm. But now we have a whole second layer of data that a lot of these clients are seeing in both clinics. And so do we build a new interface? Do we add a second column to it? And so it was only, you know, an hour-long process. But I ran exactly the same process. I Mm -hmm. identified who was going to be impacted, What were the scenarios they were facing, the treatment coordinators? They need to be able to manage their cases, you know, for the 16, for the one clinic or the other clinic. They have an hour to do it. They need to see the most pressing documents they need to complete in either or both clinics. And so then the requirements derive from that.
0: Well, did you do this in such a way? This is where the music uh, connection comes in. Did you think about it? Like when I sit down and play music, I don't think about scales. They're just there. They're just muscle memory. Uh, so does this come to the point where, where um, you sort of apply this automatically, and when you walk into a situation, you don't need to specifically have stuff written down. You just sort of know, okay, I'll y- – you
1: um, – Yes and no. I mean, I – you know, when I, I'm a photographer, and when I walk into a room now after having spent years actively practicing the zone system, I can pull out my one-degree spot meter, and I automatically think I'm going to take a hot-point reading and a dark-point reading and average between them. And if it's on digital, like I know those things intuitively, and so I don't think about it so much. Um, with this, you know, I've been running this process now for a number of years, but I still... I don't actively think I have to do this step now, but I still do all of the steps. So you actually do have written... Documents. You, you actually inter, you know, interview... Well, my document, in this case, was a single piece of typing paper mm-hmm. written with a Sharpie. And I said, what's the scenario? And I wrote it down. You know, what are the requirements? And I wrote them down. And then I used um, a 6-Up template. Uh, a 6-Up template looks like... The one I used is, is exported from the UI Sketcher iPad app from Adaptive Path. And it's six boxes that are about you know, two inches by three inches to represent our, our UI... And you wanna just draw as many different ideas as you can at once. So I used a six up template to force myself with a Sharpie to draw a number of different ideas to try to figure out how I'm gonna deal with this. And then from that, I got one idea that I thought made sense. And then I mocked it up in FileMaker, where I just, I drew boxes on the layout and I typed in the data. And then I used, um, I copied the layout so that there was one column for the for one clinic and one column for the other clinic, and mm-hmm. then, so the three columns three layouts you know show if they if they only want to see one clinic, show this layout, if they want to see two clinics, show this layout, and I used one simple script that was tied to a radio button, and so in ten minutes, I had an idea prototyped, and then I went and met with the team, and I talked to them about what I was thinking and what, how I thought this would solve the problem, and I heard what their concerns were, and they didn't quite meet their need. And so then we took notes right on the layout, mm-hmm. and then I went back and did another iteration. And because I hadn't spent six hours building my first idea, I yeah, saved it the was, client a lot of money. Yeah,
0: you were able to discard the iteration
1: without any pain, right? Right. Exactly. Um, There's a really great book called Sketching User Experiences by Bill Buxton, who's a researcher at Microsoft. He talks about the difference between sketches and prototypes. Oh, yeah, Microsoft, experts on UI. No, and I was really surprised when I saw this book, and I was like, how, how could this guy be at Microsoft? But the book is fantastic. And he talks about sketches are disposable. They're cheap. They don't have a lot of time or energy investment in them. They're done with a very low fidelity of detail. Prototypes require more investment. They're they're more closer to being functional, not fully functional. And he very strongly makes a point that you want to use the level of detail that's only as close as the level of certainty that you have in your solution. And so you start out with sketches are for idea generation. Prototypes are for idea refinement. So at the, in a design process, you have to start out with a lot of idea generation and then move towards idea refinement. And there's a process that you can use for generating ideas. There's a process you can use for refining ideas. And we talk about that in the workshop as well. But, I mean, it's this, this book was really fantastic. Like, It very much influenced my work a lot because it's, it's a huge difference between, between the two.
0: This is uh, great. It's great stuff. I have to really think about you know, ways I could use this in my own business. And I certainly recommend listeners to uh, think about it as well.
1: Well, thank you. If you want an overview of this process, I um, recorded a webinar with FileMaker Incorporated this past, this past week on the fundamentals of exceptional interface design. And in that, we did a, sort of an hour-long overview of the process that we teach in the workshop. That session was recorded. It's going to be posted on my website, fmcraft.com, within the next couple of days, And you'll be able to go there and download it and watch it. And the handouts are on SlideShare. And so if somebody wants to get a copy of those slides, they can email me. I'm don at vanguardcs.net. And I'll be happy to send them to them.
0: Don, thanks very much.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much.